High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So Kyle Reinfried, the Foodie Films man, have you been enjoying the single life, the single summer? <laughs> Hot boy summer. <laughs> uh, yeah, enjoying cocktails, enjoying, uh, I know I need to get back to doing Foodie Films, but the, it was just, it's just poor timing with then like summer and like you said, being single again and just San Emilio renting this, this uh, bungalow as we did. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing it with the bungalow, I guess. <laughs> well, I know you're having a good time. Every morning I wake up here in this cabin and I see a different female in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm like, and, and, you know, I have a good conversation with them. It's nice. It, it's it's yeah. good. We, we discuss tropical drinks. and You always have a gift basket ready for them. Gift basket ready. And I've been impressed with, like, the age variance. Obviously all. Equal opportunity when it comes to age. You know, in in the legal spectrum, obviously. Yes, yes, of course. But I'd say from like 25 to 55, is that fair to say that we've been seeing here? Uh, Darcy was 58, so. (laughs) It's been a good time. This island's been awesome to us. So we thank you, San Emilio Island, for hosting us, for officially sponsoring this show, spiking, giving us no money. Thank you. But (laughs) Kyle, I, I have some bones to pick. I, I got to be honest with you, before we get into our film today, which is Caddyshack, and we'll discuss it. I know this controversial, this controversial pick, but first, what the F, you know, <laughs> I put in my Apple TV subscription into our San Emilio television, and we've both independently and together enjoyed Ted Lasso. And then I see on Twitter, some people shitting on this show. It's getting me so mad. Like haters out there. Such positivity. Such positivity in Jason Sudeikis' performance. F you guys for hating it. If someone doesn't like Ted Lasso, number one, go see a therapist because you have problems. You are a miserable fuck. Yeah, I don't don't know. It's just such a feel-good show. We just need that. And if you feel that you don't need that after this past year, you're a fucking sociopath. And I, I feel bad for you. And I, and I really, um, I have, I have nothing else to say because it's just, 
I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not analyzing this show. I don't have to fucking critique and analyze everything I watch. I can just enjoy. And this is the perfect show just to sit back and enjoy. And Jason Sudeikis is a fucking delight. All these new talents or how you brought to my attention that the owner is shame lady, which brings my into her kinkiness to the next level now. Ooh. It's a beautiful show. Supposedly, you shared the information that uh, their plan is only three seasons. I'll be sad to see it go, but I'll be happy for them that there won't be these trolls out there hating on it. So, yeah, uh, um, go get laid. (laughs) Well, look, I'll say this about Ted Lasso. One, it's awesome. But two, if you're a hater of season two... Then go watch something else. Go watch White Lotus, which I assume is awesome. Everyone says it's awesome. But yeah, it's probably more dark. Ted Lasso is not dark. It's never going to be dark. You Didn't know? Ted Lasso also come from a commercial? Yeah, hell yeah. I love that commercial. You're getting this beautiful, feel-good show that came from a commercial and you're being harsh on it? Wow. Such a such big boys and girls out there. This is such a random bone to pick on High School Slumber Party. No, but we both feel strong about it because it's a beautiful show. And I love Jason Sudeikis. (laughs) And I don't like Olivia Wilde anymore because she just won't tell him why. So That depresses me so much. Honestly, I don't want to think about it. But I feel like it's more related to your life than mine right now. So (laughs) I I wasn't with uh, my partner for as long, nor had kids with her. So um, that's, (laughs) that's next level. But but there is a little there is a little Kyle and Ted Lasso. You have to admit it. I do say golly a lot. <laughs> oh man, but this is again High School Slumber Party, the podcast for me and some friends. Which is you right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school centric films. Of course I'm Brandon Rodriguez, we're here with Kyle Ryan for the Foodie Films Man, my partner in crime this summer on San Emilio Island. I just want to remind you guys a couple things. First, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can check out our archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And remember, too, you want to support the show, tell a friend about High School Slumber Party, or you can leave us a positive review wherever they allow you to do that. Five-star ratings are always appreciated as well. All that helps the algorithm that supports this show and you should also support the other shows on the cage club podcast network including foodie films and all the other great shows too fast to forever third times a charm p.s i love hoffman your show with, with with me kyle so that's a show you definitely want to support that's also on hiatus we should call you mr hiatus kyle <laughs> that's not a bad name that's a cool name that's a cool yeah. you'll never you'll never get a long-term partner with that name <laughs> Mr. Hiatus. But, but it's still cool you know what? You, you, I'm just going to say this for our little rant before. It, it's perfectly acceptable because you already said the movie we're talking today. That's a comedy show about sports. This is a sports comedy Ooh. movie. So there you go. It's fine. This is why you're here. Sports comedy. For sure. Because we are talking Caddyshack for all you haters out there who don't Yeah, I'm all right. Everyone else is. And I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right as well. Don't nobody worry about me. We're we're all good. One production note I want to note. So we didn't actually plan to talk Caddyshack this summer, or ever. It was never on any of my lists. But our good friend, Danny Kim, who's been on a bunch 
of podcasts here at High School Slumber Party. I can't even name them all. Off the top of my head, Squid and the Whale, Small Soldiers. He always brings me a fun gift, so you know him if you're a good listener. He's been on Foodie Films, right? Uh, no, he hasn't. Oh. I mean, we, we, were, we were on the election episode together on High School Slumber Party. Okay, okay, okay. Cool. Danny Kim, big fan of the show, good friend of ours, high school friend, middle school friend of mine, technically. He actually moved out to L.A., and he's trying to become a firefighter there. He's in the academy. We wish him the best. Originally, we had him scheduled for a very special summer beach movie here. He wasn't able to do it. We'll record that when he can. But we decided to just kind of improvise, throw a little uh, audible, if you will. Yeah, and it's a Southern Hemisphere movie, so if we do summer in the winter, that's fine. That's fine, too. Whatever it is, we'll record it. Also, it gets you off the hook for one of our next, uh, what do you call it, segments, laps, if you will, because he was going to be on that as well. But we'll we'll get all those in. When Danny Kim has a nice little break, what we'll do is we'll record a bunch of episodes with him because we know he's always well. He's a very cerebral person. Yes. So it's good to have. But we decided instead of doing that film, which we're not going to name, we would do Caddyshack because honestly... This came up because Caddyshack, one of the greatest comedies of all time, but it's on Hulu, and I was just working from home. When I work from home, I put like a movie on in the background. That's why I was watching Keeping the Faith the other day, FYI. But uh, <laughs> I put on Caddyshack on Hulu, because I do have a Hulu subscription, and I was like, holy shit, is this a teen movie? I never thought of it as such, but when I saw how it begins and how it ends, I'm like, kind of is. And then, Kyle, you pointed me out to a Netflix film that deals with the National Lampoon thing, and that kind of guided me in the direction that this was really supposed to be a teen movie. Yeah, there's a crazy history when it comes to this movie. Can I also ask, because the last episode I was on, uh, I chose Caddyshack as one of my, you know, buy one, get one free rentals. You've done so many episodes, I don't expect you to remember. Is this the first time that, like, the next time the guest is on, you're talking one of those movies? Maybe. Uh, the only reason I'll say no is that, like, Kate Hudson has been on a ton of times, and sure. she's, like, recommended other Twilight films that we might have done. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but out of that weird spectrum, probably, right? But you and I were kind of talking Caddyshack even before recording that last episode, because, one... Well, I know we'll get into it, but you and I love... Something we share together is love going on YouTube and watching old comedians talk. And it's something we, we, we discussed when we were doing other Beach Party movies with Don Rickles, right? We love seeing Don Rickles on Carson. Oh, so good. Another person we love seeing on Carson? You and I love Rodney Dangerfield. And you and I, on many a late night, will just watch these Rodney Dangerfield clips driving home from someplace. Carson, Rodney Dangerfield clips... It's a blast. Yeah, just like Ted Lasso, they get no respect. <laughs> it's true. It's just like this weird old school comedy, and he's in this movie. So it's a movie we've talked about a lot. But I, again, I never saw it as a teen film. So what's the what's the uh, Netflix film that uh, showcases the history of uh, National Lampoon? Uh, what is it? A futile, a futile and stupid gesture. Yes, with our guy Will Forte, who we both love. Yeah, which is a line from uh, Animal House mm-hmm. that Tim Matheson says, and yeah, no, it's a really, it's a really good movie. You guys should def- definitely check it out. I appreciate it in today's world where, um, I mean, specifically in like music biopics that we're getting, 
into this like bland territory that I thought uh, Dewey Cox Walk Hard ended, <laughs> but they're coming back. But this is a, I mean, this movie's a few years old already, uh, 2000, yeah. 2018. So yeah, I, I just, I just admire its storytelling. You know, it's not the most amazing movie, but it tells an interesting story of one of the, the co-creators of uh, National Lampoon National Magazine and then into, uh, you know, his his movie career and everything like that. That's Doug Kenny. And so and it's directed by David Wayne, who we both love as a uh, as a comedic director. Oh, my God. We love him. Yeah. <laughs> Wanderlust. Very underrated film. Very, Please very watch underrated. It. Yeah. But that and doing my research and just again watching the film again, I'm like, this is and was supposed to be a teen movie. Uh, so, Kyle, at some point, I'm going to phone a friend and get Christian Larson on because I know he's a proponent of this style of movie, which is like late 70s through early 90s, snobs versus slobs comedies. Mm-hmm. And this was supposed to be that. But as we learn through production and just watching it, the adult stars kind of overtook the teen stars, which I don't know if you read, really pissed off the teen stars in this film. And I really can't wait to talk about it. But before any of that, Caddyshack, I would say top 10 comedy of all time. At least it's considered that, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it. it's always in at least a, I mean, definitely in a top 50, maybe even top 20 of like, you know, comedies of all time it's one it's one of my favorites i mean it just has such an array of comedic talents and like you said that like that wasn't supposed to be the case in the sense of their their amount of screen time it was supposed to be these teenagers kind of story it was supposed to be like the two two teens the two caddies and like ted knight were like you know it's like their their story but uh you had chevy chase and Bill Murray and Rodney Dangerfield come in and just shake it all up and uh, just cra- crazy the film that we got that was very uh, cocaine-induced. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw Caddyshack? Oh, boy. Probably, like, late middle school. I don't remember the exact time. Like, may- maybe... Yeah, it was definitely before high school. Yeah, just kind of, like, at the same time I got into... Mel Brooks comedies, pretty much like all the like great comedies of like the seventies and like the eighties. So, uh, you know, Air- Airplane as well, and I probably saw Airplane when I was younger. But yeah, like the R comedies of that time. So Blazing Blazing Saddles, arguably my favorite comedy of all time. Caddyshack. Those are, I mean, those are two early DVDs I remember buying, and that was before high school. So yeah, seventh or eighth grade. I don't remember when I saw it for the first time, but I definitely know I was too young to watch it. <laughs> I definitely saw it because, like, my mom said it was a funny movie, but that robotic golfer, like, that drew me in as a kid. Like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and that's exactly, I think, like, what parents, like, remembered from it. It's like, oh, there's a gopher. It's like, versus, like, there's, yeah, okay, but then there's lots of sex and, and specifically tits and... Uh, sexual jokes, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, sexual like, jokes pot you know there's yeah there's a lot coke there's a lot a lot, a lot going on for sure for sure but i definitely saw it way too young revisited it a lot later and loved it just for like the one-liners you and i both appreciate a good one-liner yeah. and i know what you're saying out there it's like the undertone of this episode there are some of you who are saying caddyshack is not a teen film 
I'm going to today tell you why one it is. And I'm sure, Kyle, you might be like, it's not. But from your research and my research, we're going to tell the slumbers today why it probably was supposed to be, which uh, that's my favorite part about talking about it today. We're not necessarily going to give you like a Caddyshack front to back what we enjoyed about this film and and how it was so good. By the way, like just a side note, this is one of the most documented films of all time. I think it has two books written about it. Plenty of behind the scenes things. This isn't like one of those obscure films we're talking about. This is a film that people have heavily, heavily documented. If you want to hear all about Caddyshack, maybe listen to a rewatchables or something like that. We're going to talk about it from what we enjoy about it. And I specifically am going to talk about the teen parts in it and kind of what it was supposed to be. Every week, though, I read the back of the DVD or back of VHS. And growing up, I remember these DVDs and Blockbuster and things like that. They never focus on the teens. So I'd be very surprised if the back of the DVD focuses on them right now. So here goes. Oh, my God. The way it starts, you're like, yeah. (laughs) Proves my point. Greenskeeper Carl Spackler is about to start World War III against a gopher. Pompous Judge Smells, or Smalls, how did I say it in the movie? Smells, like snails. Smells, okay, that's what I thought. Smells, plays to win, but his nubile niece, Lacey Underall, wants to score her own way. Playboy Ty Webb shoots perfect golf by becoming the ball. And country club loudmouth Al Sezrek, is that how they pronounce it in the movie? Serzik. Serzik? Okay, Serzik. And Country Club Loudmouth, Al Serzik, just doubled a 20,000 bet on a 10-foot putt? Insanity? No. Caddyshack. That's a weird way to put that. <laughs> what? All right. <laughs> and then Chevy Chase, Rodney Tangerfield, Bill Murray, and Ted Knight tee off for a side-splitting round of fairway foolishness that does for golf what National Lampoon's Animal House did for fraternities and Police Academy did for law enforcement. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> With Harold Ramis directing, the virtuoso comic skills of all four blend into a righteous hole-in-one for comedy fans. So this is perfect to me, because this is not even mentioned the caddies, the, te- <laughs> the teens at all, and really what is the heart of this film. And we'll get into why it doesn't. And I totally get why it doesn't. It's not how it was sold. It's not what people remember it for. But we're going to talk about it, because we've been doing summer films and a lot of beach movies, but also, like, how teens spend their summer. That's how we focused. Yeah. So, like, this, to me, fits perfectly. And when we were talking about Staten Island Summer, it made me think of this film, not just because of the pool scene, but just because, like, teens getting summer jobs. And way back when, Caddy was one of the biggest summer jobs a teen could get. And I really, really can't wait to talk about it. Like we were saying, I think the two biggest arguments for why this is a high school teen movie is number one, it really was supposed to be. So that's just an interesting episode right there that we're talking a movie that was originally planned as that. And then it went a little off the rails, but it's still revered as one of the greatest comedies of all time. And then on top of that, I I, I give you my blessings from my hiatus uh, of a podcast when I was looking for food centric films, which are, you know, less prevalent than high school films. I gave certain rules, like if it took place in a restaurant or bar, or if one of the main characters is you know works as a you know as a bartender or cook or what have you so one of the main characters here is a high schooler that's you know 
working at a golf course. So there you go. That's, you know. Yeah, even if the stripped-down version, one of the main characters, the first main character we really focus on, is a teenager working at a golf course looking for a way to get into college. Is there any more teen-centric, especially summer teen-centric plot than that? Nope. <laughs> really? <there laughs> is. So let's get into the nitty-gritty of this. And Kyle, so I did watch A Few Dollar on Stupid Gesture, but admittedly I watched it on the train going to and from work. I know you watched it as well. So uh, feel free to interject anytime you heard a fact from that film. Um, Because I wasn't able to really take notes on that film. But it was, honestly, I kind of, I watched that film when it came out, but kind of in the background. I didn't really remember it much. You're totally right. That is a really interesting film. It's really funny and has a lot of good stuff. We've actually talked National Lampoons a lot on this podcast, but not in the way that I think a lot of people would expect. John Hughes was a writer for National Lampoons. I don't think they even mentioned that in the movie, right? No. No, he was like a, but he was a big writer for them. And he spun that off to do all his teen films. But a lot of the early teen films have National Lampoons esque stuff in them that didn't age terribly well. Like Long Duck Dong, a character we talk about, you know, that came from a National Lampoon story. Sixteen Candles has a lot of like lampoonish gags, you know? Uh huh. So it's, it's something we've discussed here in High School Lumber Party, but not in the way I think we're going to discuss today. So, this movie was written by Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray's brother. And he was someone who really came up in the same improv scene as Bill Murray. Wanted to kind of write things and star in things on his own. I think I know, but what's your first like familiarity with Brian Doyle Murray? I would say Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. I have two, yes. Christmas Vacation, for sure. I love Christmas Vacation. I was on Mike Mancy's podcast talking Christmas Vacation because it's one of my favorite Christmas films of all time. But for me, it was that and the first Wayne's World where he's like that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sponsor, right? I didn't even know who's Bill Murray's brother till like after many years of seeing those things. But he grew up in a big Irish Catholic family. Bill Murray was one of his siblings. I think he had like seven or nine siblings, something like that. He was a caddy. Bill Murray was a caddy. The director, Hal Ramis, was a caddy. It was actually, like, again, a popular job for teenagers growing up. And he honestly just kind of wanted to write, similar to Staten Island Summer and other stuff, he wanted to write a movie based on his teenage years being a caddy. Kind of a coming-of-age film. A comedy, for sure. But more of a, a film that was focused on the teenagers like him. He's in the movie as, like, that caddy boss, if you recall, And when we look at the nuts and bolts of this film, that's really what it was supposed to be. His story of that. Yeah, and like you said, like all the the Bill Murray, Hal Brammies, they they worked as caddies growing up together. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was just a really good, most of the time a pretty good paying job to get as a teenager if if people are tipping you well. Uh, Obviously a lot of hard work and you're in the sun and, you know, you're lugging around those heavy bags but yeah he just wanted to make a coming of age story and that's what doug kenny was interested in they had such great success with animal house because that was uh co-written by harold ramius because he was in a fraternity so that was like inspired by his story so now not not just a fraternity kyle a fraternity that you were later a part of yes yes the well the yeah in the movie it's like 
Delta Talk Kai, I think, is the Animal House fraternity. But Harold Ramis, yes, is a brother of Zeta Beta Tau fraternity, which I am a part of as well. Here's to you, our late brother, Harold Ramis. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they told a college story. So now they're, like, kind of, you know, they're going to tell this high school kind of film. So during the summertime, but just these teen coming-of-age story and uh like we we're kind of saying before you get all these other guys into the mix and they just start stealing the scenes i mean bill murray didn't have any dialogue he was supposed to play it as like harpo marx at first mm-hmm. and then he was on set for just six days and everything is improvised especially the uh, phenomenal cinderella story for sure for sure so the Bill Murray character, now that you mention it, was actually, they cast somebody else in that. Um, and he apparently was a veteran who was not great at the role, but really muttered a lot. And Harold Ramis, like, I guess they fired that guy, which is kind of sad. But they rewrote the role in a sense where it's like, oh, Bill Murray, do what that guy was doing, but improvise your lines. Yeah, act like that guy and improvise your lines. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah, he's playing He's playing like a shell-shocked Vietnam vet. <laughs> Harold Ramis, as the director, obviously also an improv guy. Even though he was interested in shooting that original teen movie, he kind of... And he was very professional on set. But these guys were his friends and even people he idolized. Um, obviously, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray would go on to do Ghostbusters and things like that together. But uh, Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield... Where Chevy Chase was coming off SNL and Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Bill Murray was on SNL at the time, and Rodney Dangerfield, comedian, but not really an actor at this point. No, not at all. This was his first film. Exactly. They were so loosey-goosey on set, and Harold Ramis kind of let it happen, that they were just improvising shit. Ted Knight, and you said this is uh, Rodney Dangerfield's first film. This is Ted Knight's last film, which is crazy. Yeah, it's Rodney Dangerfield's first film, Ted Knight's last film, Harold Ramey's directorial debut. Crazy to think about. I love sitcoms. I know Ted Knight mostly from the Mary Tyler Moore show before this. I mean, and he's really, really funny, but he was so pissed off on set because he signed up to just be the authority character in this, like, teens versus older, snobby, rich people movie. Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, and Bill Murray all were supposed to just be cameos for one or two scenes. I think Chevy Chase, the most of those, he was supposed to be, like, in three or four scenes, but certainly not a focal point of the movie. That completely changed, and it really pissed Ted Knight off. And it pissed a lot of people off. We'll talk about the teens in a second, but it pissed the teens off so much because they thought they were doing a real different kind of movie. The original edit for this film, I don't know if you read this, Kyle, was four hours and a half long because of... <laughs> it was just crazy because of all the improv from Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Rodney Dangerfield in particular. It was that long. Bill Murray's like uh, soliloquies, there's one of them that we only get like five minutes of in the movie that in that cut was 30 minutes long <laughs> like chasing the gopher what an incredible cinderella story this unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack at augusta he's on his final hole he's about 455 yards away he's gonna hit about a two iron i think well, we got all of that 
The crowd is standing on its feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, I expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's going to, looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Insane. So they made a choice here. I think they could have made like a cool indie-ish film. Like Animal House was a success. But Animal House, when you look back at it, when it came out at the time, was more of like a smaller movie. Does that make sense, you know? Oh yeah, it had like a, only like a two million dollar budget. Exactly. This movie was a huge hit when it got released, and they had a choice with these four hours and a half. Like, do we go with the story that we originally were going to, or do we use this comedy gold that we mined from these geniuses improvising? And they went with the comedy route so much so that it did not make sense, even when they had that good like maybe hour and a half cut. It made no sense because it was just vignettes, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a through storyline because they cut so much of the teen shit out that they had to call Bill Murray back from SNL to shoot the gopher plots, especially with the, what is he, like an animatronic gopher or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And, and a puppet at times so that there was some kind of through line and breakup of the vignettes they shot. This movie is crazy. This is one of the most interesting behind the scenes movies of all time. Yeah, and it's only a little part in a futile and stupid gesture, mm -hmm. but it's, it's still just an interesting one. And just to see, you know, again, it's from the perspective of Doug Kenny and just how heartbroken he was by it. And at the same time, he went to go see uh, Airplane when he came out. And he's like, just, he's just a very depressed person. And when seeing Airplane, he's like, no, that's now the greatest comedy of all time. What the fuck is the point of me releasing this movie? This isn't even the movie that I want to release. Yeah, and I think it's funny in the movie because he kind of created this culture. It's a small part in the movie, but it's a pivotal part of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, it, where he, like he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think it's, like, again, super cool for the movie. But yeah, that's not what he wanted at all. And as much as he enjoyed Airplane, and this this gets compared to Airplane a lot because it's like around the same era, right? What year is Airplane? Uh, thought it was like the same year. If not, it's like seventy. This is 19, yeah, it's like this is nineteen eighty. Airplane. It, it's seventy nine, like the latest. Let's see. Airplane. It's nineteen eighty, so same year. Yeah, yeah, so same year, right? It's around the same time. It's like, and again, it gets compared to Airplane a lot, but and look, it's really really funny. So from that perspective. I'm not disappointed with the call they made, but it's definitely not. I'm curious what, like, Brian Doyle Murray's point of view about this. Because he wrote this so, like, it's so personal to him. And it's not that. It ends up not becoming that, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head if he collaborated with Harold Ramis again. But obviously, I mean, he was around them. Like, I don't think it, like, messed up, like, their 
friendship. No, because at the end of the day, I'm sure he got a lot of money from this. You know? Yeah, that too. Yeah, exactly. And cocaine's a hell of a drug, right? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like the, the drug use on set was unheard of levels. The cocaine was flowing. One of the actors described the cocaine use as the fuel that kept the film running. I don't want to like fuck people's reception of these actors up, but think about. I just said that Bill Murray has a scene where 30 minutes improvising, chasing a gopher, essentially. You can't tell me that cocaine wasn't involved in that. Well, and supposedly Rodney partied the hardest out of all of them, which is just crazy to think about. Rodney Dangerfield was a crazy, crazy partier. And he's older than the rest of this cast, but he didn't apparently didn't give a fuck. There's a famous thing written that like Harold Remus is directing, and Rodney Dangerfield was so inexperienced on a film set that he didn't know what the word action meant. That scene, and hilarious scene, but that scene when they're shopping in the clubhouse. Yeah, with Wang. Yeah, and he calls out the hat. He's like, like I forget what he says about the hat, but it's like hilarious, and Ted Knight is there. Apparently in that scene, like Harold Ramis called action, and he wouldn't move. And then Harold Ramis is like, what are you doing, Rodney? He's like, oh, you want me to do my bit? And then every scene he had him in after that, instead of yelling action, he'd be like, Rodney, do your bit. That would start him up. That's how inexperienced he was on a set. <laughs> so he was 58. Yeah, think about that. Like, he's not a young person here. His first film at 58? He's been famous a while at this point. I mean, he, he did he did get late in the comedy game. Uh, he, was, he was always in acting, but he was kind of like trying to be a serious actor for quite some time and then got into stand-up comedy. For sure, but yeah. he's at least had 15 years of stand-up comedy, at least. Yeah. Yeah, at the, you know, and at this point, he had, I mean, he was a very successful comedian. He had Dangerfields in New York already. Yeah, very well-established stand-up comedian. For sure, for sure. It, like, he's not like a nobody here. And he would go on after this to do a bunch of films in the 80s that would become very popular, like Back to School, for example. Chevy Chase plays Ty Webb, which, again, was just supposed to be a cameo, but... He's great in this. I love, honestly, I love in the movie that Joel McHale, sorry, not this movie, but uh, A Futile and... and Just say Futile. (laughs) A Futile, stupid gesture, that Joel McHale plays Chevy Chase because, like, Joel McHale, a star of community, Chevy Chase was a star of community, and famously, like, they kind of feuded on set because Chevy Chase is notoriously an asshole. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) so he was able to, like, conjure that in this film, you know what I mean? Like, from knowing him personally... So not this film again the futile film but uh yeah chevy chase is ty webb almost everything he said was improvised which you could tell because some of it makes no sense but it's still hilarious kyle i know you i'm sure you wrote down some quotes i did as well we'll get to them um we already mentioned danger field as uh, al what how they pronounce it in the movie cervic cervic yeah that makes sense there's a lot of sexual innuendos in this it sounds like cervix <laughs> yeah, the line of this I have it written down because I think it's one of the first lines I have written down is uh, you buy a hat like this, I bet you get a free bowl of soup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I wanted to bring it up because originally the part was envisioned to have Don Rickles play that part, someone we talked about in the Beach Party movies, which yeah. I could see that too. I could see that too. Fantastic. Yeah. We mentioned Ted Knight as the snobby judge Ella Hughes uh, smells like snails. <laughs> but Michael O'Keefe, as Danny Noonan, is really the star of the movie. And I bet if we read the original script, he would have been the star. He plays a young caddy trying to get in college. It's funny because I thought he would just did this. But when I looked up his stuff, like he was nominated for an Academy Award for The Great Santini. 
And he was in a bunch of films after this. And then, but apparently he like did not play golf after this movie. Yeah, I think he quit golf for like 20 years or so just because everyone would surround him. Yeah, at the golf course, people like, oh my God, it's Danny Noonan. <laughs> um, when we go over the rest of the cast, we already mentioned Bill Murray. Um, and we talked all about that. The other note I have on Bill Murray is that him and Chevy Chase hated each other at the time. Were famously feuding. Yeah, would it get into physical fights? Yeah, physical fights, not just like fighting, like physical fights. Uh, Chevy Chase left SNL after one season. Bill Murray replaced him and became a success, almost equally a success to him, and that really pissed off Chevy Chase. And when Chevy Chase hosted SNL, like a, a year or two later, they got into a fist fight, a literal fist fight backstage, and people were like, "Oh my God, they're in the same movie." And originally, they had no scenes written together at all. Like, they were not supposed to see each other. But I think when the production team saw that they were not hating on each other, they wrote that one scene that they're together. Which is just one of the best scenes ever. Which is a great scene. And apparently, they were very professional. They didn't talk, like, when the cameras weren't rolling. They weren't, like, having any cordial discussion. But when the cameras were rolling, they were super professional. Got into it. and It is what it is. And we're able to make comedy gold with it. So... You and I see this, and we think it's awesome, obviously. But people at the time were like, oh, my God, they have a scene together. Like, that was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. For every reason you said, and just to get two comedy legends at that point, like, if you're going to have them in a movie together, you need to have them in a scene together. So so Harold Ramis made that call and got us that uh, scene in Carl's Shed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's talk a little bit about the teens, if you will, or at least the people who I, I believe would have been featured in this film if there's a different cut. And God, I hope they saved four hours and a half of that footage. I know no one wants the teenage cut of that film, but I want the teenage cut of this film. I want to know what the original cut was supposed to be like. Um, Sarah Holcomb plays Maggie O'Hulahan. She, oh God, has a really, really sad career. I'm sure you recognize her from Animal House, right? Yeah, yeah, she's the one that uh, Pinto eventually has sex with, but has the very uh, famous scene where she's got her bra stuffed and then the devil and the angel are talking on his shoulders and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a proper scene, because she's only supposed to be 13 in that movie. Yeah, something that doesn't age well. A lot has been made about her on this set, because she was pretty young even when she was filming this movie. I think she was only 17 or 18. And famously, she quit acting after this. She just got really into drugs during both Animal House and this. And really was never able to recover, which is super sad. Because I kind of like her. But, yeah. I mean, she was going to the cast parties and it wasn't a healthy environment for her. We'll put it that way. What did you think of her uh, Irish accent? It's alright. I, I, I read that supposedly like in the, in the cut that we didn't get, it's much more explained that she's an Irish foreign exchange student or something like that, but that was just left on the editing room floor. So, so there was a bit more sense. I mean, at the same time, wouldn't you, I don't know, like we only get that, the groundskeeper in like one or two scenes, but he's got the Scottish accent, just a little homage to obviously being a, a game, a sport invented in, in Scotland, but for her to, you know, just, I don't know, give her a Scottish accent instead. <laughs> Yeah, but I got it, too. I think, like, I'm assuming this is something from Brian Doe Murray's past, right? Like, a lot of uh, foreign exchange students would work as caddies and workers at these country clubs. Yeah, it's like Russians down at the boardwalk in Wildwood or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. Well, speaking of which, while we're here, 
Were you ever a member of a country club growing up? <laughs> no, I was not. Were you? No, I was not. So when I lived in Riverdale, a town in New Jersey, I lived across the street from one. There was a lot near us. Anthony, our good friend, I mentioned on a Santa Line somewhere that he was a, a lifeguard at a local pool, but he left that to be a lifeguard at a country club in uh, Haworth, which is yeah. a town near yeah. us. And he we used to tell me stories from there. The country club lifestyle is interesting. A golf got like Tiger Woods blew up when we were really young, and I had some good friends who golfed from time to time, and they would let me come on and play golf with them. Or re- really, at the time, I was just walking around with a club, but <laughs> uh, play golf with them as a kid, you know. So I got to see that kind of aspect of the country club lifestyle. Have you ever golfed before? Have you done golfing? Uh, just driving range and then kind of what you just said before, like only one time on a course, like walking around with friends and like I'm just drinking beers driving the golf cart. I'm assuming mini golf as well. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you and I are both not golfers. So we're not coming at this movie from like a golf perspective. This is considered one of the greatest sports films of all time. One of the most funny sports films of all time and one of the greatest uh, golf films of all time. I know, Kyle, you're a big fan of Bagger Vance. So yes. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you. Or The Greatest Game Ever Played with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> 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 or Tin Cup, another golf movie. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and we didn't even mention uh, uh, Happy Gilmore, of course, a golf movie. Yeah. Which I guess this and Happy Gilmore are like the two big golf comedies, let's be honest. But Caddyshack, yeah. We don't have experience on that front, but we have experience from the comedy front, I feel like. Now, let's talk, again, some other of the teens here. Scott Columbia plays the, uh, I feel like this keeps coming up with us, Italian-American characters here. Tony D'Annunzio. <laughs> Tony D'Annunzio, yeah. So apparently his character was supposed to be a lot bigger. He apparently was the character that was cut the most from this film. He was supposed to be Danny's rival throughout, right? You see, they verse each other in the caddy golf tournament, they have a fight in the beginning, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was supposed to be much more, I don't know, I guess there's going to be a couple of antagonists, like that's like from the caddy side, and then like from the elitist side, Ted Knight. Mm-hmm. He, do, he does a decent job for the little, we see him in here, but he's just, <laughs> I mean, over overshadowed in especially scenes where he's like caddying for uh, for Al, for Rodney. I like him, though, because like if you're going to be overshadowed, at least he's like a recognizable character, you know? Yeah. He doesn't like float into the background. So Cindy Morgan plays Lacey Underall, who is the niece of the judge, right? She. It seems like she was definitely in the main storyline. Um, what'd you think of uh, good old Lacey? I paused her a lot in my youth. <laughs> She's definitely a Kyle type girl. We'll put it that way. <laughs> it's weird because she has kind of a fling with Danny Noonan, which is our lead caddy here, and Ty Webb, which is the Chevy Chase character. So good for her. Yeah, I mean, well, she's of like college age, right? And her mm-hmm. parents send her out, you know, from the the big bad scary city of new york to get cultured yeah and this this <laughs> it was just hilarious but this was shot in florida like outside miami but it takes place in nebraska for whatever reason all right 
The one other character I'll quickly mention is Dan Resin plays Dr. Beeper, which is a character I actually really like. He's just like a doctor who's golfing all the time. But the joke there is like he patients keep calling, not patients, but like other people at the hospital keep calling. And he keeps pushing it off because he's golfing, which is just like a, a doctor. very famous stereotype. Yeah. Yes, a doctor stereotype, which I love. <laughs> yeah, especially like surgeons. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyone else in the cast that you want to mention? Or should we just... Specifically the bishop. Oh, yeah. Because I always loved... That's that's arguably my favorite scene. Because that's right after Cinderella's story. And he's looking to get some, you know, some, some holes in. And that's... Uh, so it's Henry Wilcoxon is the actor's name. So many classic Hollywood movies. Arguably the the biggest is Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. Wow. And I always again I I love this scene and he just wants to, you know, play some golf and it looks like this storm is coming and I mean what is what 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 does he say? Uh I don't wanna I I always I always misquote it. Uh okay so so Bill Murray says I keep playing. I don't think the heavy stuff will come down for quite a while. And that's just a quote I always say. Like, I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for a while. <laughs> so, point being, the biggest reason I want to bring it up is because I always loved the music that was playing in the background, and I just never did my due diligence before. And it's fantastic because Hal Ramis uses this music from the Ten Commandments. Oh. So it's like a little homage. To what Henry Wilcoxon was in, because he's in a one of the guys that's uh, with Yul Brenner, who plays Ramses, you know, the the oh, wow. in gotcha, the movie. Gotcha. So it's just it's just a great moment where Harold Ramses and I love you know what I mean when music is used right in a movie, especially in a comedy, and it's just this like beautiful score that just keeps building, and then all of a sudden he you know he's getting every hole perfectly, and then he misses the last <laughs> one, and then gets electrocuted and yells rat <laughs> rat, rat rat farts, and yeah. <laughs> so I just really wanted to say specifically his character of the bishop. Yeah, no, they, he was great and. That reminds me that, like, this really did become a movie of vignettes. And that's such a vignette, you know? Yeah, it's just, honestly, it's, like, it's very meta of just, like, lines of coke. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, what it is. Every, every scene is just a line of coke. <laughs> so let's talk about the movie. And I really do want to focus a lot on the teens here. But we could talk about any scene we want. But we open up with well yeah shots of a golf course for sure but we open up with danny noonan in his big irish home i can't tell you how many kids they have but his dad's like save your money for college because we we can't pay for it i like that because again it brings it back to what we're doing here in high school slumber party right you have a kid who probably just graduated high school and he's like how do i get out of this fucking situation and he's caddying doing a good job at it not not really saving his money but really like looking for his next step and it's very relatable with a lot of the movies we've covered even in the summer you know yeah just a nice big irish family there's kids in the house that the dad doesn't even know who they are and uh, <laughs> everything's running amok there's like probably like one bathroom for all of them i mean even be even before we get that i mean talking of music we get 
mentioned it, we quoted it, but Kenny Loggins wrote the music for this movie, which, again, think of this original movie of these teens, this coming-of-age story, and originally Harold Ramis wanted Pink Floyd to do the music of this movie. What kind of fucking movie would this be? (laughs) Pink Floyd. Which would, again, which would have been just completely completely different yeah and kenny loggins came in you know wrote i'm all right and they loved it and he you know yeah did the music for the movie can you name some other kenny loggins movie songs uh danger zone i mean that's top gun yeah for sure any others come on there's one you should know uh except other top gun songs like the playing with the boys well yeah i was gonna say there's a bunch (laughs) of uh no there's one like other big one like he has a big three of soundtrack songs oh and over the top right Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. You're right. Meet me halfway from over the top. Good one. But that's not even like, honestly, this is not even his Oh, Footloose, biggest. duh. Footloose, yeah, Footloose. <laughs> Kenny yeah. Loggins, the soundtrack king of the 80s, for sure. Truly, yeah. Just awesome. <laughs> I love Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> he just seems like a cool guy. Cool guy. And he's going to do like sing Footloose and songs on Top Gun and Over the Top on Caddyshack. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I want to hang out with him. He, he's made cameos as himself on Archer. Cool <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I love when Danny, again, our teen here, like he has that first scene with Chevy Chase and they're just talking. Mr. Webb, I just got to win that caddy tournament. I owe it to my folks to get that scholarship. What do you want to go to college for, Danny? I don't know. Let me tell you a little story. I once knew a guy who could have been a great golfer. Could have gone pro. All I needed was a little time to practice. Decided to go to college instead. Went for four years. He did pretty well. At the end of his four years, it was the last semester, he was kicked out. You know what for? He was night putting. Just putting at night with the 15-year-old daughter of the dean. <laughs> You know who that guy was, Danny? No. Take one good guess. Bob Hope. <laughs> oh, no. no, that guy was Mitch Kumstein, my roommate. He's a good guy. Don't be obsessed with your desires, Danny. The Zen philosopher Basho once wrote, a flute with no holes is not a flute. And a donut with no hole is a Danish. He missed just that one. In one physical model of the universe, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line in the opposite direction, Danny. Unbelievable. Thank you very little. Like, the dialogue here is amazing. And I, I want to give Michael O'Keefe a lot of credit because if Chevy Chase is improvising, Michael O'Keefe is eating it and giving it back to him, you know? Yeah, I definitely feel like we've had a similar conversation about something before, and it's totally escaping me about someone keeping up with, like, a classic comedian in an improv sense. And yeah, I mean... It might, it, might, it might have also been on PSL of Hoffman. But, yeah, no, you're totally right. Michael O'Keefe does just a great job throughout this film. It's just like... I, I don't know. I mean, because yeah, in the end, what, what? What I mean, what's his story? Uh, it's that he wants to get to college, but I mean, early on he wins that one tournament, but he still needs, you know, 
Judge Smales to give him a recommendation, kind of, right? Like, sponsor him? Yes, yes, because there's... So, there's a scholarship that's uh, for a caddy that someone lost. So, the judge pretty much can choose who gets the new scholarship. Yeah. In this Chevy Chase early scene, like, the quotes that come out... He's like, you take drugs, Danny? He says, yes, every day. He's like, good. Then what's the problem? It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, whoa, okay. Um, but there's so many, like, hidden fucking sexual and silly, like, sophomore humor in this. And that same scene, he's like, you take the cooter preference test. <laughs> Which is just, like, it's supposed to be, you know, like, I don't know, not an SCT, but, like, what job you should get. Be the ball, classic thing from that that we get in around this time. There's a lot of quotable things in this movie. There's just, I mean, it's great lines. It's great physical gags. Like, I wrote down, like, the biggest laugh that I got from that scene you know, he's just t- talking about being centered, and then he knocks his clubs over. But then he hits, a, but then he hits an amazing shot. It's just great physical, like stupid but smart comedy. It's just like the beats are just there. We'll get into Danny a little bit, but the Chevy Chase character is actually really interesting because he seems to be this golf pro that is a very good golfer, obviously, but. Is still not an adult. You know what I mean? He almost is the golf equivalent of the surf bums. Yes, yes. Good call. Yeah. Right? He's like, what's his name? The older guy in Gidget, you know? Mm-hmm. Aloof. Except he has money. Yes, he's incredibly rich because you have to be. I mean, we haven't even mentioned like the self-containedness of this movie of like 99% of it is on this golf course. That is their world for the summer, you know? And he's one of the kings of this course because he's the golf pro. Every uh, club has one, right? Everyone else was forced to grow up, and he really did not have to because, as he even says to the girl, most of what he does is just play golf all day, and he's paid to do it. Yeah, play golf, drink, like, but he doesn't really surround himself with all the other... Uh, socialites of snobs snobs yeah exactly (laughs) he's closer to slob than snob but he's still like you know he teeters both sides we'll kind of get to him more because i can't really say he has a story arc he just does vignettes here or there until really the end he's one of the few actors that comes back for the second oh god a disaster that's the second (laughs) considered one of the worst sequels of all time except um Oh, why am I? That's um, Jackie Mason. Is... Yeah, Jackie Mason. Jackie is... Mason is like the danger field in that movie. Yeah. He just has there's a line earlier on in Caddyshack 2 that just always got me where he's again talking to like one of the snobs. And he's and like, oh, so like, what are you? He's like, oh, you know, half uh, half Polish, uh, half Italian, half Irish. Or no, like, what? he's like, oh, my mother, she was, you know, half Italian, half Irish, half Polish. He's like, that's three halves. Oh, she was a big lady. Like, <laughs> it's just so very danger field but uh, yeah i mean I, I mean jackie mason was a phenomenal they come from the same like catskills jewish comedian scenes yeah again. exactly yeah <laughs> and then again bill murray's character what's his name i always forget carl carl the assistant groundskeeper trying to kill this gopher the lines he's saying are just insane when the scottish guy asks him to kill it he's like if i kill all the golfers they're going to lock me up and throw the key away. Yeah, exactly. Totally not understanding the, with the Scottish accent and saying, Gopher's like, oh, I do that for free. You know, it's just that. <laughs> I mean, one of the most mimicked 
voices of all time uh the cinderella story and just talking like that and just the whole cadence of it all i mean just early on we get i'm just like oh shit like because it just is such vignettes but we get the dalai lama scene just so early on when so he, early and he's talking with uh we said his name before scott colmby and uh supposedly he was really nervous during that scene because it was a real pitchfork and that's just that whole, you know, Dalai Lama is like, and then this is always comes up as like one of the top lines in a movie. It's like, but when you die on your deathbed, you'll receive total consciousness. And he's like, <laughs> so I got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Amazing. people. It's just like, that's like, that's, that's what you're going to hear <laughs> this later half of the podcast is just oh, for sure. the great quotes that we love that everyone loves and adores. For sure. Um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Danny winning that tournament against the other caddies. Apparently, this was supposed to be an even bigger scene, as it's like his big triumphant moment. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, the very teenage scene that happens after this is like, he wins it, and presumably the scholarship, and Smales invites him to the regatta with the boats. Mm-hmm. We've already been introduced to Rodney Dangerfield because he's like come on the course as like a, a guest of people, and he like teases Smales on the course, and Smales ends up throwing a club, <laughs> you know, into like dining patrons or whatever. But this boat thing, I've I always laughed even beforehand, but even before Rodney Dangerfield, when they get there, Danny Noonan like sees some of the other caddies, right? He sees uh, the judge's niece, and they're smoking pot or whatever, and he get he gets in on that, and that's very teenage to me, right? Yeah, I mean he he's wearing that whole yacht club outfit, to the impress, yacht club outfit, yeah, to impress Smales, and then there's like the guy that won the tournament in the pa- or no, that's like clerking for Smales right now, and you know he's talking with Lacey and Spalding, the nephew is there. Oh my god, fucking Spalding. <laughs> yeah, that's just a very teen moment too. I mean, before that, I mean, one of the more teen moments is the pool scene. Oh, the pool scene! I didn't realize. Like, sorry, I'm going out of chronological order. We talked Staten Island in the summer a couple weeks ago, but yeah, let's talk about this pool scene. Iconic pool scene. Why don't you set the scene, Kyle, as a pool man yourself? So I forget. I didn't write down the exact thing, but it's like I think the caddies have like not even a half hour. Is it like yeah. fifteen <laughs> minutes or something yeah. like that of pool time? And they just cause a complete ruckus. And it's another, you know, Kenny Loggins song. And we've got just all the caddies jumping into the pool, still wearing, like, their clothes. Some are wearing sneakers. We get a choreographed water dance from them. I mean, then we have, what, Denunzio is there and is, like, Speedo. And we get Maggie and Danny there and then Lacey walks in and steals the show and does a whole fancy dive and gets all the guys attentions and Denuzio goes over to rub her with some lotion and then we get two of the teens arguing and the baby Ruth bar is thrown into the pool and already there's with the gopher, there's a very Jaws-esque vibe, but we then we get, I mean, Jaws, a you know, the biggest blockbuster of all time, came out just five years before. And so just a great parody of the Jaws music playing and the baby roof floating and everyone thinks it's a duty. 
<laughs> yes, it looks like poop. And it's mortifying to everyone near there. They empty, they empty the pool out. And Bill Murray, of course, as the groundskeeper, is the one doing it. And he ends up taking a bite out of it. Yeah, and like freaks out, smells his wife. <laughs> oh, so I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see what the big deal is. Yeah, awesome scene. Which supposedly that also happened, like Brian Doyle, like that's a specific memory. Even with the candy? Wow. Yeah, with the ca- yeah, that, a candy was thrown in the pool and someone thought it was duty. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, you know, that's like I've said it on other episodes that I'm like, uh, I mean, definitely Staten Island Summer because that was written by Colin Jost. So again, like personal story, comedian story, and just like that, uh, the whole thing with the lion. And I'm like, that's too specific not to be true. And also, like, honestly, this movie would have been so much more crass if it was actual shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, this isn't Pink Flamingos. This is... <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it was just like the, the Baby Ruth bar is awesome. I and just it. a great foodie scene. Foodie scene. A couple foodie scenes here. Yeah. Let's go to the other foodie scene, which honestly, even as a kid, was one of my favorite scenes. So uh, Maggie, right, like she works not necessarily as a caddy, but she works with the other teens and she's more of like a hostess and server. Yeah, she works like in the snack hut during the day and then just kind of, yeah, like hostess slash like bus girl, butter butter girl <laughs> at nighttime. On the side, well, I just want to go over this, but her whole pregnancy thing, Danny Noonan and Maggie are kind of a couple. And he gets her, or he thinks he gets her pregnant at one point. Yeah, she's she, late. Yeah, she's late. And she's really, which is a very heavy thing for me to see as a child but she um ends up not being pregnant later in the film <laughs> it's only a scene later is yeah, her which, frolicking in her which nightgown. which just tells you right like this was supposed to be a heavier thing in the movie yeah that that really they didn't you know draw out or whatever and she, yeah she's frolicking on the greens in her nightgown oh, oh god i know we're bouncing around but i don't want to forget this I'm thinking about night putting and all that good stuff. But in that earlier Chevy Chase scene, the funny story he tells, like, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, when I was in, he's like, why do you want to go to college, Janny? He's like, oh, I once knew someone, you know, who was had everything, whatever. And then he lost everything when he was night putting with a 15-year-old daughter of the Dean. <laughs> Which, again, fucked up as hell. And, he, and he's like, do you know who that was, Danny? He's like, I think I could guess. And he's like, who? Bob Hope, but he really thinks it's Chevy Chase. And he's like, Haha. no, it's Mitch Cumstein, my roommate. It's like, what? <laughs> it probably was supposed to be him, and then he said Mitch Cumstein. Yeah, probably. And they're like, yeah, fuck it, let's keep it in. <laughs> Regardless, because that makes me think of the moment when she's just like dancing outside because she's not pregnant. <laughs> regardless, regardless. The food scene, I'm like, Kyle, I know on your podcast when it's not on hiatus, you have famous food scenes. The pool, you can count for sure, write it down. But this food scene, when they're having that fancy dinner at the country club, is such a great food scene. Such a great dinner scene. And that's where like we get more tension between Ted Knight and Rodney Dangerfield. We, I mean, we get such great lines as, uh, somebody sit on a duck, or uh, this, <laughs> this steak still has marks from when the from where the jockey was hitting it. <laughs> it was Jackie was whipping it. I yeah. love that. It must love... have been something before electricity. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. This movie's weird at Rod and Danger because that scene like right before this where he's he's a uh, caddying and he's he's showing that he's gonna build condos all around this golf course 
everything like it's just rudely colored that he has and he's with uh the italian caddy the italian american caddy whatever i forgot his name but denunzio he's like when i was your age used to carry ice up five flights of stores and he goes so what he's like so what so let's dance and they just start (laughs) dancing it's like what what are you got here, rocks? Are you kidding? When I was your age, I would lug 50 pounds of ice up five, six flights of stairs. So what? So what? So let's dance. I was alone. I never knew. What could love be? Ah. No, devil. We're touched. And we sang. I'm out The man's a menace. violation of my personal privacy. He's breaking the law. Really? You know, I've always been fascinated with the law, sir. Oh, really? What areas? Oh, all areas. Personal privacy, noise statutes. You know, I I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Nice try. To the journey song yeah exactly and then uh <laughs> yeah even dianunzio says like you want your driver he's like no he's not my type like <laughs> <laughs> but when he's at this dinner party he's just like walking around every line he's saying is hilarious he's drawing a crowd and ted knight is in this like red suit jacket he got from saint andrews in scotland and he's like so proud of it and this it's like old money versus new money you know yeah, Al is wearing this, like, checkered, very tacky kind of outfit. I mean, Ted Knight's outfit is ridiculous, but it was a gift given to him, like you said. And Al is just there and is just totally crass and making, you know, jokes to this crowd that, like, just absolutely love him because he's a guest of somebody. And I love, they're always like, and then, like, Ty shows up, Ty, Ty, you need to meet Al. And they just have, like, hey, good to meet you. I gotta go, you know, like... But then he's going up to the band, oh, you know, like, play something a little bit more livelier. And it's just like the typical, just the eye bulging, the dancing, just everything that's then mimicked from then on of Dangerfield. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's it's hilarious and it's great. And I again, I get why they took a lot of the teen stuff out of it. Would I like to see in the teen things? Great. But no one wants four hours of Caddyshack. What else in this film did you enjoy? Any other scenes or moments before we get to our big ending? Oh, boy. Um, Just looking at my notes. I mean, obviously, uh, we said, I said, you know, I said Cinderella's story, which is just totally improvised. All that Bill Murray said was like, can I get like six rows of mums or whatever? And then that was that was that. And everything else was just like him just giving this speech to himself of the Cinderella man, Cinderella story. Um, <laughs> I mean, just the, then keep going back to the gopher. I mean, what in the beginning he's trying to drown it. Then he tries to shoot it at the end. He's trying to blow it up. It's great. And again, that's why they added a lot of these scenes because they, they escalate that and escalates like the tension in the film from a teen perspective. Right. A lot's going on with the adults, but this is not a long movie. It's like I think it's like an hour and thirty-eight minutes. We get a really triumphant moment at the end because there's like this big bet for a lot of money at the end, and it's what Roger Dangerfield and Ty, which is Chevy Chase, versus the Doctor and Ted Knight in this big golf game. And halfway through, Roger Dangerfield kind of fakes an injury, and uh, Danny Noonan 
substitutes in. And I think it's like, to me, I love this ending. It's such a glorious ending. Just back and forth golf. It's a good sports movie at this point, you know? Yeah. And yet you see how maybe these characters were just supposed to be introduced at one point and then like used as a tool for like Danny at the end to have like one more win and to have his overcoming of like, you know, because in the end it's, you know, him saying like, I don't need Smell's approval. I don't need his help to move on. And, you know, I mean, like, I mean, Al does say like, hey, kid, I'll make it worth your while, you know, like, uh, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just a really fun, we, we see, I mean, uh, Brian Doyle as the, as whatever exactly he is, as, you know, the Caddyshack manager, uh, is just like, I would like to just be on record that if this is found out, I will not be, you know, fired or whatever, like, you guys will all go bat for me, and then, yeah, some great golf is played, and they keep upping the uh the wagers because what i think it starts as ten thousand a piece then 20 and then double or nothing so something crazy like that and at the end you get rocco and moose sent after ted knight but <laughs> but yeah just a really great like great series of events and showing uh danny danny's arc because like you said it's not like anyone else really necessarily has an arc in the movie and then even at the end like technically he doesn't win but because of carl and all the explosions then his Ball goes in this county. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so he has that last putt and it doesn't go in, but you're right. Like Carl does those explosions, which on that golf course, they didn't want them to destroy the golf course. So they built a mound that they could blow up, like above the golf course, but the explosives were too strong that they blew up the golf course anyway, which is hilarious. <laughs> Isn't it also not to talk about one of the worst comedy sequels but doesn't dan Aykroyd actually play the bill murray character in caddyshack too if he's not his character he's like his brother or something but yeah yeah yeah, yeah no i mean i mean like the the you know like jackie mason isn't isn't yeah Al, the foil yeah yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah which is come on yeah so that's what that's actually a word i was thinking of when watching it but like you just used foil there's just a lot of, so many great foils in this movie Oh, I guess we, well, we mentioned it, but just to go back to the Ty and Carl scene and just that, just how gold it is and to know that, like, that scene was mostly improvised and uh, Ty talking to Carl, he's like, oh, and, you know, Carl's like, oh, you live over on, you know, blah, blah, blah place. He's like, oh, you got a pool? He's like, yeah, but you're more of a natural worker. We've got a pond. He's like, oh, but the pool would be good. He's like, no, I see you more as the, a pond type. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, it's just so good. It's just, you want to keep quoting it, but then you, you just do it zero service because these are just some of the greatest comedic, comedians, comedic actors in just a, let's throw it at the wall, see what sticks. There's just so many like things that, from this movie that I always remember, like uh, Ronnie Dangerfield, like the club he has. He says he gets from Albert Einstein with like the fancy technology to it. Yeah, the fancy tech, like the scope and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Spalding drinking leftover drinks. I mean, and uh, I mean, definitely the scene between Danny and uh, um, Lacey. Oh boy. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And Danny and Lacey, which is completely improvised. Lacey, the actress who played her, did not... It's fucked up. Like, she didn't want to do all of that. She didn't even want to do the nudity. And actually, Harold Ramis was like, you don't have to. Then he called the studio, and they were like, eh. And they literally told her, you'll never work in this town again. 
Yeah, so. she's like, okay, I guess I have to. Which is really unfortunate that they put her in that position. Something we didn't mention with the boat. Yes, they're on the boats and they're wearing like the silly uniforms. But then when uh, Rodney Dangerfield sees them, and he's like, hey, that's my friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my buddy. <laughs> and just, uh, just what a crazy sequence. And you just have these other speedboats like jumping over the waves caused by Al's big, you know, motor yacht. And Smells has this very modest uh, sailboat that he's christening. And, of course, Al, like you, know, you think he's going to crash into it, stops in time. But then, okay, drop anchor! And it goes through. And <laughs> Yeah, it's just a fever dream, cocaine line-induced, <laughs> just ev- everything kind of, I don't know. It's a crazy, crazy movie. You know what I uh, noticed for the first time ever on this watch? And I don't know why I didn't notice this. When um, Carl, Bill Murray's character, is washing the ball, but it looks like he's masturbating. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is also like a point that they bring up in that in the futile. Yes, movie. yes. It's like, how, like how long should I? Does it from this angle look like I'm jerking off? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, yeah, his whole thing with the older ladies. Oh, you dirty, you dirty ladies. Like that's our introduction to him. Just fawning over the the senior ladies of the golf course. So many vignettes here, so many just parts that are hilarious. Teenager not. Like, going back to the teenagers, the environment around the physical caddy shack is hilarious to me. Brian Doyle Murray as the head of the caddies. He changes the price on, like, Coke depending on how his gambling habits are going, which I think is hilarious, you know? (laughs) As funny as this movie is, and it's hilarious, I would love to see more of the teen parts. I'm very curious what the original script looked like, you know? Definitely. You know what's just crazy is that only three years later, like, we get Chevy Chase in Vacation, and just it just seems like, you know, just such two different characters yeah, oh, yeah, to sure. play, like, that father versus, like, Ty in this movie. I don't know, this is obviously just a huge part in his career, but just always, that always made me, I thought it was closer in time, I just... I did look it up on IMDb, but still, like, that was just always something that, like, shocked me is, because I think I saw Vacation before I saw Caddyshack, or maybe at the same time, and I'm just like, what? This is, like... (laughs) (laughs) I remember, I was talking to, like, one of my dad's business partners at one point, and telling her how much I loved 80s movies, and I was talking about really, specifically John Hughes movies, right? Ferris Bueller, Breakfast Club, and she's like, oh but you got to watch Caddyshack. I'm like, oh, I've seen Caddyshack. I'm like, that's an 80s movie? You know, it feels so different than the movies I'm talking about. You know, what I was thinking of the 80s, which are really like mid to late 80s. 1980 is a very transitional time. It doesn't feel like necessarily like a 70s movie, but it also doesn't feel like an 80s movie. I don't know what it feels like. It's just like in this unique little place of its own. And again, I love that it's so short, that it's an hour and 38 minutes, right? Yeah, which is, I mean, to come from a, that there was four hours of footage out there and a totally, not even four hours of like one movie, just like four hours that two different movies exist in. It's crazy. And the way that they were able to weave all these nonsensical scenes, you said you liked the Bill Murray Chevy Chase scene, but it really doesn't make sense in the plot. Like, we don't need it. We just have it because it's funny. No, well, yeah, we have it because it's funny. And at that moment, Ty is like, I forget what bothers him, but... It's after they make the bet, and then he's out doing some night putting, and he's just doing pretty horrible. So it's, like, kind of showing, like, that he's not going to be doing great the next day. But, yeah, exactly. Then they're just, like, 
Well, this is a perfect segue into like how he and Carl meet up. <laughs> Do we get a conclusion for uh, Danny Noonan, our team? Um, Except that he wins with them. Yeah, he wins with them. So then you just have to assume like Al, sti- you know, six by his promise yeah, gives him money exactly. to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention in Caddyshack before we get to our awards? I mean, this it, it is the most direct teen movie. No, but there's a lot of teen elements in here. And a lot of fun. It's just a funny movie. Yeah, I mean, in the end, we're all going to get laid, so. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I, I, I <laughs> forgot to mention it, right? That's one of your favorite lines, because you, you you use that in, like, real parlance, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I used that when Trump won. <laughs> I, everyone was freaking out online, and I just posted Rodney Dangerfield saying, hey, we're all going to get laid. No, no. No, just as, like, a, you know, don't worry, guys, like, you know. I'll say that again to the same of full full circle to people that are not liking the second season or not in general of Ted Lasso too. Uh, we're all gonna get laid. It's all right. <laughs> go find something else. If you don't like something, if you're gonna be that fucking picky on something, just go watch it. Like you said, go watch that Lotus, whatever. Wait, look, which again is an awesome, really fun. No, I hear it's supposedly really good, and I'm gonna watch that soon. I'm sure. And you you if, see Steve Zahn's balls a lot. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, just right, I'll quickly on Rodney Dangerfield, it's just like, I always remember Rodney Dangerfield in this, but also as a kid, and it might have been Back to School, or it might have been that other Rodney Dangerfield movie he's in. Rover Dangerfield? Not Rover Dangerfield, but it was, <laughs> and it was on like uh, WPIX Channel 11. It was just like a Saturday movie, and it ends with like, they're all celebrating whatever. And someone goes, love makes the world go round. And he's like, hey, more like up and down, huh? And I was like literally a 10-year-old kid, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> not easy money, right? It could have been easy money, too. I'm not sure. I don't remember what exact movie. I have to watch both those movies and been like, and be like, all right, that's the ending of this, you know? Yeah. I had a similar experience when we talked another summer film. Not you and I, but me and Christian Larson. Um, One Crazy Summer, starring John Cusack, right? I saw that movie on like WPIX on a Saturday or Sunday morning as a kid. Enjoyed it. Had no idea for like 20 years what that movie was. Watched it for this podcast. I'm like, oh, I have seen this, you know? That's always, <laughs> that's always a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Should we get to our awards? or uh, do, Please, yeah. Or should we all get laid? Or uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, another foodie films fact before we get to our awards, is that for whatever reason, like in the last decade, they decided to open up a bunch of Caddyshack restaurants. Did you read that fact? No. Bill Murray and Brian Doyle Murray apparently were one of the partners, and they opened one in St. Augustine and on a lot of golf courses around the country, Myrtle Beach, Orlando, other parts of Florida. Most huh. of them have closed down since then. I'm not sure if any of them are still open. I mean, I would go, but it's like, I like these comedies that just exist in their own bubble. Don't over-market it. Like, it's like Bubblegum Shrimp Company, right? Like, I don't, yeah. need, to, I don't need to go to Bubblegum Shrimp Company. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to look it up now. Caddyshack Restaurant, if it still exists. That's like at those St. Christopher hostels. They have, like, I told you that the bars in them are called Belushi's. That's <laughs> so random. It's just really, yeah, really random. Uh, yeah, Saint Saint Augustine. Bill Murray's a big, big, big time Saint Saint Augustiner. He and he also he owns a ball club in uh, South Carolina, right? The uh, Charleston. They used to be affiliated with the Yankees, but not anymore. Yeah, 
Really? They're not the mud dogs. That's water boy. Something dogs. No, they are. They, they were the Charleston muck dogs. Muck dogs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they are today, but river dogs. Oh, river. They were the river dogs. You're right, but they they like looked. They were like a muddy dog. That's why I was thinking yeah. of it. Um, okay, so yeah, there's a Caddyshack restaurant you live in St. Augustine, and there's also one in Chicago, which makes sense for Bill Murray. Yeah. And did you see the quote? It says, eat, drink, and be Murray. <laughs> hey, and Bill Murray's son, isn't he a bartender, right? Wasn't yeah, he or like he opened a place. I don't know. but Opened yeah. a place, and Bill Murray was guest bartender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd go, even though I don't like these kind of gimmicky restaurants, I'd go. This is a tricky question. It's not always supposed to be tricky, but let's do it. Who was this movie made for? Uh, well, very intentionally, originally like teens coming of age, and then it was just made for like fans of comedy at that time. Just like throw like again, you just have generations of comedy legends in this movie. For sure, for sure. So just like you like comedy, see this fucking movie. Most likely to succeed. Which character won the movie? Who comes out most on top? Uh, I mean, Dangerfield wins the movie. <laughs> this is the introduction to him in but it's the, the character though this is character oh okay i feel like he's already on top at this point yeah so then um look i think it's danny noonan if he if, yeah if, no so that's danny noonan yeah if dangerfield is really truly gonna uh, yeah come, if al gives him the money yeah yeah if hal gives him the money then yeah you know yeah like, okay because he ended up being himself he didn't have to suck up because there's that hilarious scene where he's just like I've seen myself as a lawyer. Like, I've seen myself as a priest. Like, he keeps doing that. And his friend is like, I've seen myself as a golf club. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the fact that he could be himself win this golf tournament and still theoretically get a scholarship, I think that's a no-brainer for me. It has to be Danny Noonan. Wooderson Award. Is there a character you'd like to see more of? Now, I say it, and it's. I feel like the the, uh, Harold Ramis and the people beyond this movie already did that right exactly <laughs> yeah i think that every so like i guess again technically danny noonan like i want like a bit more or like, i'm gonna say that it's like his, his italian rival yeah yeah like if we have to go backwards what's his name again you said it denuzio or something yeah denuzio something like that yeah like if i have to go backward i'd say him but i feel like if the movie was the original cut people would be like oh bill murray or all chevy chase but yeah again, yeah again we got a lot of them they added scenes for them Long Duck Dong Award, is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Um, it's just such a weird situation with this movie. It is very weird, and I don't want to, like, r- ruin more of her her life or whatever. But, but Maggie. Maggie, like, if you're going to cut it to this level where it's like, I'm pregnant, wait, I'm not, then don't put it in at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a zero. There's only one scene in between there because it's it, and it's and it smells talking to danny saying like oh if you don't tell anything like i'll forgive you if you don't tell the, the story about Lacey or whatever mm-hmm. and that's it and then the next scene is <laughs> is her frolicking yeah it's just we and also like to me when i was younger i didn't really understand why he would be in love with two women i as an adult we're more cynical, so I get it. But like to me, it's it's still a little clunky that like he cares. He seems like he cares a little bit about Maggie, and also would just like go all in on Lacey, and that like also ties with Lacey. You know, like it's just weird. Okay, Cam and Fry Award. Let's go to the caddies. By the way, side note: I really like that like younger caddy, 
who's like ends up being a girl, like the one who's carrying the bags. I think that's a funny gag. But uh, did the caddies look like they were high schoolers? Uh, you know, some of them, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't know if they're all high schoolers, so it's really hard to say. Do you want to do it? Do you want to grade this? Because I'm handing you the red pen, Kyle. We're, <laughs> we're doing it. Again, it is a teen movie, but it's not presented that way. If you look up all the posters, all the DVD covers, they don't even feature Danny, who is the main character, you know? It's kind of a shame. But uh, that aside, I hand you the red pen, and I just want you to say, of enjoyability. A plus to F scale. Just a little cheat sheet. 73% on Rotten Tomatoes by the critics. 87% by the audience. High scores. Letterbox the nerds. Who we love, by the way. Joey gets in my case like, oh, why do you diss Letterbox? I don't say nerd in a negative way. I don't. 3.4 out of 5, which honestly is a little lower than I thought. But it's not bad by any means. But Kyle, A plus to F. What will you grade Caddyshack? A plus. A plus. Wow. It's comedy gold. It's just it's just, just so many laughs. But It's one of the best comedies of all time. Not like... Because it's well constructed, it's just oh god, it's just so funny. You just have so many. I mean, <laughs> Ted Knight is just so perfect in like, yes. you know, as just like the straight man as the foil, but just like his his mannerisms and, <laughs> and just all his noises there, and the fact that again, like it was his last film. This is Dangerfield's first. This is Murray and Chase together. It's just. It's just just hilarious comedy. Yeah, I, so I'm giving it an A-. minus. I still really like it. I still laugh at it. But I'm going from a little bit more of a high school slumber party perspective. I think if you have an hour and 38 minutes, give me five more minutes, and I think you'd have a little bit more of the teen stuff that's fleshed out. This is not a concise movie in terms of what the screenplay is. But is it funny? Yes. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. And, you know... It's it's dated, but still a lot of it is timeless, you know? I don't know. If you haven't seen Caddyshack, watch Caddyshack. It's just, again, your classic snobs against slobs injected with some of the greatest comedians of all time. All right, Kyle. Caddyshack sleeping bag. This should be fun. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with a baby ruth bar <laughs> like a big baby ruth bar it's like a brown sleeping bag yeah just you know or like you know how like the top is like extended you know like in a sleeping bag like it's like exposed in some sleeping bags you know what i'm saying like the pillowy part yeah yeah like that would be like the chocolate would be there but like and then like so like unwrapped a little bit <laughs> i like it i like it it's either that or the gopher because then you could like swirl around in it and so yeah i'm gonna go with the gopher so if we're having our Caddyshack slumber party with themed sleeping bags, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the gopher. And I want it like hologram, so every time I move it, it looks like he's dancing. <laughs> People in the 80s went ape shit over this. Oh my god, the gopher's dancing. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that and that was like the bane of the existence, you know, of... Uh... D- Doug Kenny's like existence, yeah, is absolutely, <laughs> and Hal Ramis, but definitely like Doug Kenny again, at least as in the futile movie, like that is a big point. Like, fuck, what the fuck is this studio fucking bullshit? You know, if you had to guess, how long are the Caddyshack moments in that movie? 
like the total time it takes up of mm-hmm. the of uh, fifteen minutes. Fifteen, and it doesn't seem like a lot, but for an hour and forty movie, that's a lot of time. So, if you do like Caddyshack and you like like the National Lampoon's thing, I highly suggest watching that. But whew, maybe we should save that for another segment. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's do. Let's go to the old blockbuster on Anchor Ave here in San Emilio, and you and I are walking couple drinks in we stumble into the blockbuster we know that we're renting caddyshack which seems like a movie that we would rent if we were having a slumber party like that you know what i mean <laughs> so we pick up caddyshack a dvd or vhs or whatever and we get to the front we see a sign that says rent two movies get one free and i say kyle i'll hold a place in line you go to the back get two other movies what two other movies should we watch along with caddyshack uh, we mentioned both of them, but I'm going to go with Happy Gilmore and Airplane. Nice. Happy Gilmore, Airplane, easy choices. I'm going to give you a secondary assignment like we did last time a little bit. Let's say we are watching Caddyshack, but we're also watching A Futile and Stupid Gesture on Netflix because of National Lampoons. Is there, and this isn't technically National Lampoons, this movie, right? No. No, it's not under that banner, but it's still obviously fueled by cocaine and National Lampoon, so it's still there. But what other uh, National Lampoon's movie would you recommend if we were going to watch these two other ones, A Futile and Super Gesture and Caddyshack? I mean, you have to go with Animal House, right? You have to. I think so. I think so, right? That's what I was going to say. I was hoping you would say that. Because Animal House, for better or worse, there's a lot of bad stuff in that. It definitely feels like a precursor to Caddyshack and a lot of the comedies of this era. Yeah. So, guys, definitely check. Yeah, definitely check out a few times. Stupid gesture. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's uh, I really like. I said it's very it's very meta. It's very uh, you know it's yeah self recognizing. Also, kind of industry esque. Yeah, because yeah, no, yeah, because it's got movie making in it. But just even the way that like narrators everything he's doing it's just yeah it's a, it's a good movie it's on netflix so watch it for sure i think if you watch these three we have two sets of three today but i think if you watch a few times super gesture caddyshack and animal house you really get what was going on at the time you know in comedy at least yeah 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 exactly just like that whole uh i mean and then just from there i mean just so many legacies because that's like something that uh, at Harvard, the Lampoon. I mean, that's like you, later on you get Conan O'Brien is you know, yeah. You wouldn't think from such an elite school that you're getting these comedy legends. Think about it, the Simpsons is still on today, and while it's obviously not National Lampoon's, a lot of National Lampoon inspired writers wrote for the Simpsons. It feels it feels like that comedy, a little cleaner, but it feels like that comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this brings us to the end of our Caddyshack episode, which was great. Kyle, thanks again for being with me here on San Emilio Island. I think, you know, while we'll have other, and I have to post one, but and while we'll have other drink videos, I think we might release some in succession on Labor Day, Summer Break Drinks, Summer Break Drinks, which have been really, really fun. You technically have only one more movie left for the summer, so can't wait to chat that one. We won't reveal it yet because it's not on yet, but uh, you've you've done admirable duty this summer, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well yeah drinks and uh your podcast that's what's gotten me through this all <laughs> well anything you want to plug and talk about 
Uh, not just, you know, check out all the great podcasts at Cage Club. Uh, I've mentioned on the other episodes, I give food tours in Jersey City. So book one, ask for me. I'll show you a good time. Uh, watch our summer break drink videos, make some fun cocktails. And, uh, yeah, just enjoy the, the last few weeks of summer. All right, Kyle. Well, why don't you go uh, whip up another drink in the kitchen? I'm expecting a call from an old friend. So see you on the other side. Bye. I'm alright. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? Yes, it looks like we're getting a call from our coconut phone. And this is the call I was expecting, guys. The uh, the mayor of the Hudson Valley has joined us. It's been a while. Christian Larson, welcome. Welcome back to the pod. Hello, Brian. It is a pleasure to be back. It's been far too long since we've uh, spoken. How has your summer been on the mainland? It seems like you've been having a, a great, a grand old time. I mean, it's been good, but this summer, man, it's just every day is either incredibly humid or pouring rain. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's been impossible to have any fun. And it's, it's funny because I've always loved the summer and dreaded the coming of fall, just a holdover from my youth, I guess. <laughs> you know, when you start to see those back to school commercials coming up, <laughs> It's like there's something in the pit of your stomach, but now I'm just like, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or because I live in upstate New York, but I'm just like, bring on the fall. <laughs> bring it on. Well, you live in a place where fall is pretty great, so I, I can't, uh, yeah. Yeah. can't fault you for that. So I really want to have you on today. We just talked Caddyshack, but I, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on the film. You've, uh, you've always come on and talked about this uh, snobs versus slobs thing, and I'm sure, sure you have some feelings and thoughts and memories on Caddyshack. Yeah, well, like a lot of movies I watched to discuss with you, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it in a very long time. And I picked up on a lot of different things upon revisiting it. And, you know, as I'm sure you talked about with Kyle, when, when most people think about this movie, they think about Bill Murray, they think about Chevy Chase, they think about Rodney Dangerfield. When in reality, it was supposed to be this kind of basic slobs versus snobs <laughs> movie about a young kid who's struggling to like win a scholarship and, and escape his hometown and the struggle that he has between like being himself and trying to be accepted by this sort of upper class uh, world that he really can never be a part of. And, and that's what I tried to focus on when I watched it this time. You know, everybody knows Cinderella's story, <laughs> the ball, you know, it, you kind of forget about what actually happens to the quote unquote protagonist of the Yeah, film. it's crazy because that's something I noticed on uh, this watch as well for probably the first time. I literally just put it on one day, you know, while I was working from home. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this a coming of age story? Because it begins with Danny Noonan in his home. It kind of ends with him. And the real plot of the movie is him. It's just, we have these vignettes with some hilarious timeless people 
in between it. And I, again, I know there was somewhere a cut that it's more of that, but it made me, it made me uh, think of you a lot because it's, we talked one crazy summer here and uh, Corvette summer even, and we've talked about a lot of these summer films. And I just, again, never thought of Caddyshack that way until again on this watch. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, you, you said to me, including Caddyshack in the high school slumber party is kind of a stretch. And at first I completely agreed with you, but again, upon a, a second viewing, or I guess like a 10th viewing, but my first in like 15 years, it, it really is all that stuff that kind of blends into the background about Danny Noonan is a classic high school and, and, one crazy summer the parallels are there because it's about like a high school kid who's has to make some big decisions about his future and you know there are a bunch of options in front of him and things don't seem to be going right for him and it opens with that scene in his house which is kind of a classic scene from like a teen high school movie like he wakes up his 12 brothers and sisters <laughs> are running all over the house. The dad is telling him that he needs to get into college. The mom's running around chasing everyone. You know, it, it, it's a very classic scene. And it brings me to a point that I noticed. It's very Irish Catholic. This yeah. movie, it kind of captures the blue collar Irish Catholic experience at least of the early 80s, because that was kind of the last time when Catholics were kind of treated like, you know, a minority, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, you know, the fact that he has a slew of brothers and sisters, <laughs> yeah. the fact that there's a big cross on the wall. I expected to see a picture of JFK and <laughs> the, the current Pope on the wall. Um, <laughs> And the dad is like, you know, you got to get into college because that was a big thing in a, in a blue collar Irish Catholic family is being the one kid that got into college, you know, the, the kid who was going to do it. So and, and there are references to that throughout the film. Like he says to the priest, he said, you know, I've thought about going into the priesthood. And he said, uh, yeah. you're, you're Catholic. And uh, the judge makes a joke about you know, the the black, the Jew, and the Catholic, you know, and it sort of reminds you of how kind of looked down on they were back then. And it's it was a national lampoon, like, from what I understand, it was made by people who were involved in, in national lampoon. Mm -hmm. And that was a Harvard organization that was kind of made up of misfits. And they were, a lot of them were Irish Catholic, or Jewish, and it, it kind of ties into this world of exclusive clubs. Yeah. You know, we don't really think about that, but back in the day, they were not just country clubs, but all kinds of social clubs and sporting clubs and whatever <laughs> that had very exclusive membership, and Harvard was, was certainly a place like that. And the National Lampoon people, you know, they probably felt like, kind of outsiders because they weren't the kind of people that would get invited to, you know, the supper club or, or yeah. And a lot of that comes through in the film. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up because like now that you mention it, 
um, when you look at the film, specifically the caddies, like one, like obviously Danny Noonan's Irish, the, the, his like foil who, by the way, like I forgot the actor's name, I'm sorry, but he was someone who got really upset because he had a bigger role, but he's like an Italian guy, you know? Denuzio. Denuzio, yes, Denuzio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he had originally a bigger role, but again, Italians kind of in the same boat. Italian yeah. Catholics had, they had to start their own organizations. And you bring up the Jewish thing too, like Rodney Dangerfield, he doesn't say I'm Jewish in this movie. Yes. Anything else you want to mention regarding Caddyshack? Yeah, well, the other big thing that came through for me is the fact that this was a high school job. Mm. These are all people who are like 16, 17 years old. And at one point, Brian Doyle Murray says, do you want to be replaced by golf carts? And they really have. Like, (laughs) caddies are not a thing anymore. (laughs) And it made me think back you know, about the kind of job I had when I was 16 years old. I answered phones at a, at a pizzeria and it was a great job. It was a, a great summer. You know, it was kind of the stuff of a coming of age film. And those jobs, I feel like automation, when, when automation started, the first jobs to go were the high school jobs. That's a um, really good point. Yeah. And I think to myself, like, what are, 16 17 year olds doing anymore like what jobs are there for them you know that they're not caddies there are no (laughs) nobody's answering the phone for anybody because it's all online you know and and it is very strange looking back at movies where teenagers had jobs you know living in the city it's hard for me to really grasp but I'm sure you being in a smaller town now, like you don't really see teens operating things like you used to, right? Even the movie theater doesn't have teens anymore, it feels like. (laughs) No. No. I I feel like the world is changing in so many ways that we're not even realizing. And, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to be like, holy shit, I didn't know that was going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, because it's not necessarily a controversial thing. No one's like, oh, I really want a teenager to take my ticket right now or deliver my pizza. You know, it's not something that we think about. So I don't think it gets the press, but... Sure, or, or like, you know, in, in these movies, you see parents who are saying to their, you know, 16-year-old kids, go out there and get a job. Back then, those kids had plenty of options, but it makes me wonder, like, what are 16-year-old kids doing now an etsy store maybe i don't know (laughs) like something along those lines yeah i guess so hopefully but you're so right yeah because so i've covered some uh modern teen summer teen films and most of them aren't that great but they rarely have jobs in those you know It, it so you're so right like i'm glad you bring that up it's just something I don't know. That's that's a definite lost even plot line for films like yes. the summer job. <laughs> I'm not complaining as far as the economy or whatever. <laughs> no, we're you know we don't have that plot in <laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh man! Well, this was awesome, Larson. But I am I am going to go in a different direction with you right now. I didn't tell you about this, but I'm gonna. Not so much surprise, so don't get excited, but I, I I was thinking about this and I feel like you're an authority on the subject. So this summer we've been out of school and instead of instead of playing our regular high school slumber party theme, we've been opening the show up with some nice yacht rock songs. 
Oh, that's my, that is definitely in my wheelhouse. So I love, I, I and you know, we've discussed this in the past off air, but it's something that I really enjoy. There's nothing like sitting by the pool and playing some yacht rock music. But now with Alexa devices and people with Spotify, you go over to houses for barbecues, like, what do you want to play? And I'll say yacht rock. Wait, not you. Alexa off. <laughs> oh, Alexa off. Oh, I hate her. Anyway, so sometimes it'll play music and I'm like, this isn't Yacht Rock. And I'm sure you've even seen Yacht Rock playlists that don't feel like Yacht Rock. Oh, man, you're, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. Believe me. I mean, I, you know, there's a Yacht Rock Sirius XM channel and it's like, eh. You know, I'm a purist and, and I learned about Yacht Rock from the web series Yacht Rock, which, which kind of defined the term. And basically the uh, definition of Yacht Rock is uh, smooth rock from the late 70s or early 80s, preferably made by Southern California artists. You know, and there are exceptions that fit that, you know, that fit the feeling of the music. I mean, really it's any, any music that makes you want to be sitting at the end of a dock, sipping on a daiquiri, you know, like. For sure, which I always like to do. Yeah, (laughs) and if you're listening to a song and it makes you feel like you should be watching a sunset over the water with a frozen adult beverage in your hand, then then it's yacht rock. (laughs) There's a feeling though. There's some songs that I just like you, like you said, have that daiquiri feeling and some don't. And there's bands too I associate or not. So I came up with a list of bands, not that I necessarily think are Yacht Rock, but I've been writing down that I've heard on the Yacht Rock stations and Spotify lists and stuff like that. Some I agree with, some I really don't agree with, but I just want your yes or no first instinct. Do you associate this band with Yacht Rock? Sure. You ready? Absolutely. Steely Dan. Uh, yes, 100%. I would agree with that as well. Michael McDonald. Yes, the godfather of Yacht Yeah, Of course, of course. Easy layups right now. Yeah, Toto. Yes. I, uh, well, they're smoother stuff. They, yes. they have stuff that rocks, which is also great, but... Yeah, some Toto. I would agree with that as well. Yes. The Eagles. Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say no. You know, See, they- I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. They fit the bit right Southern California band, easy mm-hmm. listening. But there's something about the Eagles that doesn't make me feel have a daiquiri on the dock, as you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're asking me, I love those like one hit wonder Yacht Rock songs. Like those to me are really defining for it. But um, okay, Christopher Cross. Oh, for sure. Jimmy Buffett. No. <laughs> I agree with you as well. Some people loop him in because a lot of the things we said, some people would think Jimmy Buffett, but no, you're absolutely right. No, he's more like like tropical, like Florida Keys, Caribbean, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> and it's not smooth. Yes, that's a good way to put it. It is not smooth. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac. No, I mean, Yes, like like the Eagles, they do kind of check off a lot of boxes, but I would not put them in there. No, I agree. Again, 
I love Fleetwood Mac, not Yacht Rock, but you've, you see them from time to time on Yacht Rock playlists. I'm like, what are they doing here? (laughs) Sticks. No, not really. I mean, they're too big. They're too operatic. Yeah. Um, Arena-ish, you know, at times, like it doesn't, there's an intimacy to Yacht Rock as well. Yeah, Yacht Rock is intimate. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess this kind of goes along with the Michael McDonald, but the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it depends. Again, kind of like uh, Toto. There are definitely Doobie Brothers songs that fit into that Yacht Rock feeling, especially when Michael McDonald is is heading the group. But, you know, that like China Grove is not a Yacht Rock song. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, something like Echoes of Love uh, or uh, What a Fool Believes are, are absolutely Yacht Rock songs. For sure. So guys, I hope that helps clarify what is and isn't Yacht Rock. Please let us know if you have, if you think our takes are controversial here. And uh, again, try to discover those like one hit wonder Yacht Rock hits. I'm thinking of that song on Thunder Island. Oh man. Uh, well, I'm, uh, just for the record, I I have a Yacht Rock playlist on, oh, yes. on Spotify, which has been meticulously curated <laughs> over the years. You know, if you're, if you're looking to see what, what, my version of Yacht Rock is, and, and I'm assuming Brian's too, look me up on, on Spotify and follow my Yacht Rock playlist. For sure, for sure. And uh, speaking of uh, things you curate and such, I know you've been having a lot of cool events up there in Peekskill. T- tell the slumbers about them, because I definitely want to get myself to one soon. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I write for a local paper called the River Journal. Uh, you can find it at riverjournalonline.com. You know, I write articles about local events. I host a podcast where I talk with local newsmakers. I've done a few kind of audio documentaries about things uh, that have happened in the area. And I'm also a local event planner and host. I host uh, Westchester's Greatest Night of Trivia every Wednesday at 7 p.m. at Gleason's Restaurant. Uh, And I've been doing a few movie nights around the area, so... Yeah, I'm, I've been staying busy. And if you're ever in the Peekskill area, look me up. You can find me online, captaingoodtimes.com, C-A-P-N goodtimes.com. Perfect. Well, thank you, Larson, for stopping by. And we'll definitely chat with you soon. Absolutely. It is always a pleasure. Any way you want it, it's the way you need Good music playing today in honor of Caddyshack. Big thanks to my man Kyle Reinfried, who's currently making a drink in the kitchen. Also big thanks to Christian Larson for calling us on the old coconut phone. Great to hear from him. Can't wait to have him on the podcast again. Special thank you to all you listeners as well for just putting up with my antics all summer. Summer's almost coming to a close here in the good old USA, but we got a couple weeks left and we're going to make the most of it, that's for sure. Before we get into our homework, though, or unofficial homework, I should say, a couple things I want to go over. First, 
Everyone's been messaging me about it. He's all that. The She's All That, I don't know, reboot movie? I don't know what they're called. Remake? Gender Swap? I'll check it out. Don't worry. I will definitely cover it here at some point on High School Slumber Party. Let me know on social media what you think of it, though. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That's where you can find me and the show at High School Slumber Party. I'm really curious how this She's All That's going to go. I've kind of mixed feelings about it. Uh, what else? Let's see. Oh, White Lotus. It's a very good show. When I was listening back, it might have seemed like I was dissing White Lotus. I was not. I love Mike White, the creator. He was in Orange County. I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff, and he's a great writer, but he's in one of my favorite scenes in Orange County as the teacher who says, Chocolat and Waterworld. Listen to that episode. Kyle was on that as well many, many years ago. But should we do it? Should we get into your homework? Because I think you're going to be excited about this one. Twilight Forever is back! Joe 2, Kate Hudson. Twilight's on Netflix. No excuse not to watch now. And the movie we're going to be covering on Monday is Eclipse. Jacob, what are you doing? I'm here to warn you. She's leave now. She has a right to know. What? We've been tracking the situation in Seattle for a while. Unexplained disappearances. <laughs> Killings. Someone's creating an army. An army of vampires? They're coming here. This means an ugly fight with lives lost. We're in. As long as we get to kill some vampires. Once again, Kate Hudson and Joe Two will be back here in the slumber party. It's going to be really, really fun. A lot of surprises, a lot of gifts, a lot of games. We're rewatching Twilight, Twilight Forever, and you should be rewatching it on Netflix. So, we want to give that music credit out today. What songs did we have? Well, I knew we had Kenny Loggins, "I'm All Right," and Journey. That's the way you need it. But we're going to end with the way Caddyshack ends. That is, of course, The Big Bang by Johnny Mandel. Remember, guys, life moves a little fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Cheers and enjoy your weekend.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.